We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. everyone wow telling you that first guest uh made me wonder about sanity not mine but theirs you know people talk but they never carry any proof they always sit on their chairs now and you know surf the internet collect a bunch of uh, pages and publish a publish a book the old days of going to a library and doing research are well over, my friends. Not to mention actually going to the location where you say these events that you're writing about in great detail happened. You just can't sit on the internet and claim to be an expert or an author. Just doesn't work that way. My guest this hour, Exonation, is a gentleman I've had the pleasure of having on the show before. Boyd Purcell is his name. And uh, he is an author of uh, two books, five-star rated on Amazon, Spiritual Terrorism, Spiritual Abuse from the Womb to the Tomb, and Christianity Without Insanity for Optimal Mental, Emotional, Physical Health. Now, there's a lot of free information on his website, ChristianityWithoutSanity.com. And Dr. Purcell's third book, just recently finished, is Symbolic Fire in the Holy Bible, A through Z, subtitled, God is Fire, Baptism of Fire, Salted with Fire. Joining me now is Dr. Boyd Purcell, and Boyd, welcome back to the X-Zone. Thank you, Rob. It's good to be back. I'm glad you're back. Uh, thank you, sir. I love the title of the conversation that we're going to be having, spiritual abuse, spiritual terrorism, and spiritual insanity. Uh, tell us about the, the spiritual insanity, because, you know, they're the two words that I've never seen together, and yet, boy, do, do they just pop out and say, well, spiritual insanity, never thought of it that way. Well, these are my terms I've come up with, not to try to be sensational, mm-hmm. Um, but to try to uh, be descriptive of what happens to people, what is done to people, 
often by people I will give credit to, to uh, being well-intentioned, but very badly informed. So I think it'd be good if I start with spiritual abuse in saying that's the teaching of a morbid fear of God. And uh, when the Bible says to fear God, and fundamentalist, uh, biblical literalists keep on saying, fear God, fear God, fear God, when you fear God enough, you will love God. No, you won't. You really fear God when you're taught that kind of uh, abusive uh, teaching. So uh, when the Bible says to fear God, it means to have a sense of reverence for God, a sense of awe based on a sense of reverence for God. And uh, spiritual terrorism is the most extreme form of spiritual abuse, and that results in often spiritual insanity, where people do terrible things, even killing people, uh, sometimes taking their own life because they're so depressed, so upset, uh, being fearful that they're not good enough to please God, and even worse, they're never going to be good enough to please God, and therefore they're going to be damned to hell forever with they suffer mm-hmm. literal fire for all eternity. Here we are in the 21st century. Space exploration, yes. space exploration, quantum physics, medical research, and yet there are still people who are being subjected to spiritual terrorism. Oh, there are tens of millions of people in fundamental Christianity, and they take pride in saying we're Bible-believing Christians, mm-hmm. and they believe the Bible teaches a spiritual uh, terrorism. Uh, They don't use that term, but they believe the Bible literally teaches that God is going to torture people in literal fire forever, because it's in the King James Version especially. Mm -hmm. And that translation is seen by Christian fundamentalists as not just being a translation of the Bible, a good translation, or even the best translation of the Bible. They see it as an infallible translation. In fact, they see it as the Bible itself. And they shouldn't even read anything else. I was taught that growing up as a child. Growing up, the only and forever read only the King James. Because in the last days, they, that's never defined who they are, but they will change the Bible. So only read the King James. Let me ask you something, uh, Boyd. As an ordained minister, is it possible that the Bible and religion have not kept up with the the evolution of mankind in society, that because it has stayed in the past and that these, you know, this, this biblical insanity, as you, as you call it, or spiritual insanity, is continuing, has society outgrown the old ways that are depicted and written about in the Bible? Well, that's a good question, but I believe, well, first of all, fundamentalists do not even believe in evolution. Uh, but assume, I believe there's such a thing as evolution. But if you read the Bible, interpret literally, uh, certainly it's not kept up with what we know today. Uh, the Bible talks about the four corners of the earth. Uh, so originally the church actually taught that the world was flat. And uh, the church had a horrible record as far as uh, saying that the Bible is being literally true. And uh, when it was first taught that the earth is round, uh, some pe- people almost got condemned as heretics uh, for believing that. So uh, the church is not, doesn't have a good record as far as the uh, spirituality and as far as science is concerned. With all that is going on today, with the uh, up here in Canada about uh, the the uh, the native Canadians, the babies that were found by the hundreds buried near Catholic church, uh, schools, as well as the the 
criminal investigations charges that have gone towards members of the clergy for sexual abuse. How are people in today's age supposed to take the word of the Bible from tainted sources? And I don't mean the Bible's tainted. Please believe me, I don't think that's tainted at all. But the messengers are. Yes, indeed. Badly tainted. And uh, people aren't accepting it. Uh, many people aren't. Not many are, but there mm-hmm. are more and more who are not. In fact, there's a term now, the nuns. Have you heard of that term? N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. But that's uh, people who answer on religious surveys, what religion are you? And they check none of the above. Though they may have been reared in Christian churches, mm-hmm. they got in the place they don't want any part of fear-based uh, religion, including Christianity. Would you say that uh, spiritual brainwashing is only done through the cult aspect of religion? Well, it is, and many churches are cultish. They certainly don't think of themselves as that, but they are, and people in the churches don't consider themselves being brainwashed, (laughs) but they are. And one thing about brainwashing is it's uh, getting people to believe something that normally people probably would not believe, especially anyone of average intelligence who have a good sense of common sense, even an ounce of common sense, to believe that, for example, the God who is love is actually going to torture human beings in literal fire forever in hell. That's what I call the spiritually oxymoronic gospel. But many fundamentalists probably don't even know what the word oxymoron means, but as you know, it means an inherent contradiction between God's unconditional everlasting love and infinite torture and hell. Now, Boyd, what do you mean by prisons with stained glass windows? Well, David Howard has written an excellent book uh, by that title, Prisons with Stained Glass Windows. I'm sorry to think of that myself. That'd been a good title for the book, and that is the title of this book. But it's about churches. They're spiritually abusive, just as we're talking about, mm-hmm. interpreting the Bible in a very literal way. And uh, they, I would say the Bible understood metaphorically, as it should be understood, uh, is timeless. And so it's not outdated. But if you take it literally, it is outdated. And there's some things that just make absolutely no sense about the Bible in thinking people uh, have and are rejecting it. Hmm. Interesting. What do you believe, or, or what do you think, happened at the Council of Nicaea? Why was this council actually formed, and what do you think was actually taken out of the Bible at the time? Well, the Council of Nicaea was a uh, council in which they formulated certain doctrines of the Church. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a number of churches at the moment I trying to remember exactly what that council was, but basically with the various councils they had, they formulated the doctrine of the Church, and that was taken to be infallible doctrine. And uh, But the first council in Nicaea, they didn't come up with eternal punishment. That was something that came up later. The early Church, for at least the first 500 years, believed what Jesus taught and the apostles preached, that Jesus was truly the Savior of the whole world, not just the unsuccessful Savior of a very small part of the world. And so we say, talk about the Nicene Creed, and we uh, recite that. Uh, then we are really saying what the early church believed. But uh, later on, the church got off track, especially after the church, in about 312, became the official state church of the Roman Empire. And Emperor Constantine, 
then made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And after, before that, the church had been persecuted. But after that, the church became those who persecuted other people to get them to be Christians or to be the right kind of Christian. All right, Boyd, uh, I have to take a... Boyd, I'm uh, sorry to... Torture people, uh, burn them at the stake, because they didn't believe uh, the right kind of Christianity. All right, Boyd, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we have to take our first break. Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Boyd Purcell. And if you'd like to find out more about Boyd, visit his website, ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Explanation, our guest this hour is Boyd Purcell, and if you'd like to find out more about Boyd, visit his website, ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. Uh, Boyd, in your opinion, or as you've seen firsthand, how does uh, spiritual abuse in its various forms impact the whole person? And, and how do these, how are the people broken down where they actually follow what the abuses suggesting they do well let me tie together that and the two previous questions one about spiritual brainwashing right that's when people end up believing something that makes no sense because they're you know normally threatened with some kind of fear tactic to get them to believe it and what is a greater fear tactic than being taught you're going to get tortured in hell forever they don't use the word tortured but tormented but if tormented is a, in literal fire isn't torture, we need to get rid of the word, eliminate from dictionary, dictionaries and vocabularies. So they're brainwashed due to fear of being tortured forever in literal fire. And then back to the point about st- prisons of stained glass windows, uh, I've said that churches that abuse like this, spiritual abuse of churches, are centers of spiritual abuse. And then that leads to your question, uh, this point about how does this impact the person, actually the whole person. Looking at people with a very negative view of life, mm-hmm. people end up being very depressed. Some people end up with uh, a panic disorder, and uh, that's a horrible condition to have. And it's a feeling of being trapped with no way out. That's what causes the panic disorder. It uh, can be a sense of shaking and trembling and uh the sense of not being able to breathe, uh, your heart racing heart and trembling, shaking, all the terrible symptoms. Uh, it's one of the worst conditions to have, but it's also one of the most treatable 
if you find out what the problem is, but many people who have it don't even know what they have, so end up drinking and drugging, trying to uh, relieve the symptoms, and do not get to the cause of the problem. Uh, but if they get to competent counseling, especially a good spiritual counselor, then they can find out what it is. There's a diagnosis or an excellent prognosis, and they can get off the drugs and alcohol because they have to worry about being tormented in hell forever at the end of life. And some people get so depressed, they actually end up committing suicide, though they've been taught and believed if you take your life, God's going to damn you to hell forever. But they're so upset and depressed, they may do it anyway. Why are these ministers these clergy members, no matter what the denomination is, if they are actually brainwashing their parishioners, why are they allowed to get away with it? Why are Who protects them? And, and what is the ultimate goal then if they're being protected by a higher power? And not... Well, mm. Probably not being protected by a higher power, but actually they're protected by our society, at least in the United States of America, and I think in Canada, there is freedom of religion. Yes. And so they have the freedom to do it. And I stand for people to have the freedom of religion to believe whatever they want to. I agree. Uh, propagate what they want to, but I also have the freedom not to believe it. And I really was terrorized at church growing up because I didn't know anything else. But once I got to be an adult, I mean, thinking for myself and getting outside of that, uh, the prisons with stained glass windows, mm -hmm. uh, then I've been finding there's another way and another way to interpret the Bible. And uh, I did go to a seminary after I graduated from college and getting a master's degree in counseling. I then got a master divinity degree. It was an evangelical seminary that also taught spiritual uh, uh, terrorism. Or, well, it wasn't terroristic, it was more of spiritual abuse. They taught eternal punishment, a more nuanced kind of being eternally separated from God rather than being tormented in hell forever, in literal fire. But Psalm 139 tells us that there's no such thing as eternal separation from God, because people can't even be separated from God for even a moment, because God is omnipresent throughout the universe. So the wonderful news is there is no eternal separation from God. Uh, hell, if there is such a, uh, a place, uh, maybe the very presence of God, who probably is because there are four definitions of God in the Bible. One is God is spirit, God is love, God is light. Those are obviously wonderful things, spiritually speaking, great metaphors. But the fourth one is a big bugaboo. God is a consuming fire. So fundamentalists take that as it's a horrible thing, but actually it's a wonderful thing because God, who is fire, is lovingly consuming sin and perfecting sinners in God's unconditional, everlasting, perfect love. I think one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest wrongs that was ever committed in in my day and age was when they took the Bible and Scripture out of the schools. I was dead against that, you know. Because I remember going to school as a child, I used to love Scripture. I think that the Bible, or if you're, or if, no matter what religious philosophy you follow, it's a guideline to how to be a good human. And when the school decided, when the school boards decided to take the Bibles out of the classroom, I think that this is when the scholastic system started to fall. Well, uh, you're entitled to your opinion about that, but as far as the Bible in school, mm -hmm. I think that probably was uh, 
not what you'd be doing when you have separation of church and state. And uh, of course, about the Bible, what part of the Bible do you read? Uh, something sounds good, or you read about hell and fire and damnation to children. So they end up being spirits abused in school as well as at church. So I personally like the separation of church and state and let the parents teach children at home rather than it being done, especially in public school. When you have so many children, mm-hmm. so many different faiths represented, and would you read the uh, Torah, the Old Testament? Uh, would you read uh, the uh, Islamic? Uh, book, uh, the, the, their holy book, or what's Hindu, or uh, any other faith. They're only the Bible. Well, I, I think that when you look at it, as you just pointed out about all the different uh, faiths that are out there, that this wasn't the case when I was going to school. You know, oh, you were God. either Protestant right. or Catholic. That was it. Oh, okay. And And, you know, you had the our, our good neighbors who were Hebrew, they went to the synagogue. And yet during the classes, the scripture classes, they part, you know, they were part of the, the class. They partook in what we were doing. Uh, I had a little bit of an issue when the Jehovah Witnesses refused to stand up for, mm-hmm. you know, like that was a real tick off. But I figured, that, you know, they're allowed to to uh, to follow their religious doctrines but when it comes yeah you know uh, freedom of religion that's right but i think that we've taken freedom of religion a little bit too far now and we've given uh preferential treatment to some religions over others well maybe you had a different experience i have in that but there's a lot of negativism that's come out of this now in the united states maybe you've heard that we have a real problem as far as the issue of uh, abortion is concerned, yeah. and especially the the state of Texas has come up with a unique way, rather than the state enforcing their anti-abortion law, they uh, have it so that we have individual uh, civil people, uh, citizens being bounty hunters, and being able to collect $10,000 plus cost if they can uh, report someone who has had an abortion. But abortion has really become the end-all and be-all issue for Christian fundamentalists, especially evangelicals. And the Bible doesn't really say anything about it. But uh, these people taking this so far, not only is there no exception in Texas and now some other states passing laws in anticipation, Texas law might be upheld, that they uh, there's no exception to rape or incest or the health or even the life of the mother. And almost all women, mothers, want nothing more than to be able to live uh, long enough to get their children reared to adulthood. Mm-hmm. But they already have children, three or four or more, and then they get pregnant again, and the doctor says, this baby may cost you your life because of serious complications. But finally, say, you got to do it anyway. If you die, you die. But I say a woman has the right to live and to mother the children she has to adulthood. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. I'm a dad. That's part of the spiritual abuse, yeah. the spiritual terrorism. Yeah. To women, they can't do that. You're going to damn the hell forever. Uh, and I give you a wonderful example of this. I have in my books, in fact, uh, in the book, uh, Symbolic Fire in the Holy Bible. I was pastoring a church about 30 years ago, an evangelical church, and this woman and man who are members of the church were in their late 30s. They got married. They're both well-educated. And uh, she wanted to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to get pregnant her first year of marriage. At that point, she was about 38 years old, as I remember. It was kind of old to get pregnant, at least the first time or even later. But uh, she soon started having horrible pain. 
So in the middle of the night, she's rushed to the hospital by her husband, and the doctor diagnosed her as having a topic pregnancy. That oh, one gosh. baby was in the fallopian tube, mm-hmm. whereas you probably know, or uh, hears know, that when an egg is fertilized, when it descends in the fallopian tube, uh, the sperm meets it and it's fertilized, and then it descends from there down to the uterine wall where it attaches and grows, hopefully, to uh, maturity. Uh, but in this case, it, the egg had gotten stuck in the fallopian tube. It was causing excruciating pain for the woman, and that will kill a woman uh, if the fallopian tube is not removed. All right, we have to have a little bit of a, we have to have a little bit of a cliffhanger here because I do have to take my news break. Please stand okay. by. Exonation. Our guest is Boyd Purcell, Doctor Boyd Purcell, and his website. Spirit, uh, let me see. ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. The Good Doctor and I will return on the other side of this break. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Somewhere waiting for me My lover stands on golden sands And watches the ship All right, what happened to that, Craig? I was just getting into it. Oh, I see. We had a little bit of a glitch there. No kidding, Craig. But you know what? We're still here, and the Exonation is still here. And our very special guest this hour, Dr. Boyd Purcell, is here. And if you'd like to find out more about uh, Boyd, please visit his website, Exonation. It is at ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. I love that title. Um, we were talking about Christian fundalist, fundamentalists and uh, what is happening in Texas. And I, I think that that they're going way too far. I think that they're using uh, this as a political platform, and the unfortunate part is they're putting both the mother at risk as well as, you know, uh, going against what she wants. Whatever happened to the rights of the mother? Well, it's going to have to, the mother, rights of the mother doesn't count for anything. She doesn't have any rights. But according to our Constitution, everyone, including pregnant women, have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They're saying, no, no, not for pregnant women. That doesn't count. But if I go back to the example I was giving okay. about the woman who got pregnant late in life and who had a tubal pregnancy, excruciating pain in the middle of the night, and uh, she's rushed to the hospital, and she would have died if the doctor had not removed her fallopian tube, which he did. But now with laws like Texas and other places they would like to enact it, they say that a doctor who does that is killing the baby, though he's saving the mother's life, but the baby and the mother would die if the toe, tube is not removed. 
So uh, he said he was a hero for saving her life, as far as I'm concerned. But this woman now, at about 39, and uh, one fallopian tube, did not have much of a chance of getting pregnant again, though she wanted, still wanted to be a mother. But fortunately, she was able to get pregnant again. And this time, she had a healthy child, the full term, and then she had two other children. She got pregnant twice more, had two more healthy children, and she was a school teacher who homeschooled her children, and today they're college graduates. Now, this great, wonderful story, late in life motherhood, would never have happened if we had a constitutional amendment like the amendment uh, uh, people want to pass called personhood. It would define life beginning at conception and therefore taking life at any time, they say taking a life, uh, is, is murder. The doctor would be guilty of murder, the woman would be guilty of murder, and it's just absolutely absurd. Do you have any idea what the reasoning behind this is? If it's not in the Bible, how are these groups able to use the Bible as a, a, a weapon into getting their way? Well, it is a weapon, exactly right. It's a tool they can bludgeon people with. Actually, even medical doctors do not agree on when life begins. For example, does life begin at conception? They do not agree with that because uh, for life to actually begin, the fertilized egg has to implant on the uterine wall. And they're probably worldwide every day, millions, probably tens of millions, hundreds of millions, maybe eggs, fertilized eggs, that do not implant on the uterine wall. And then there are those that do implant on the uterine wall, for some reason, are spontaneously aborted. And maybe it's God's way of actually aborting uh, uh, fertilized eggs that are going to be seriously deformed in, in many ways. And uh, so we should give women the right to make decisions for themselves. But even when the egg is fertilized and it does implant on the uterine wall, uh, is it still alive or is it when it becomes uh, viable? Uh, or qu quickening is the next step, mm -hmm. and then when it, uh, viability is only about six months, when the baby theoretically can survive in case there's uh, early delivery or some kind of trauma, that uh, the baby is born prematurely, it can live if it gets a lot of really good medical attention. But there's a lot of difference of opinion about when life actually begins. And the woman's life should take precedence over all of this because the baby is totally dependent on the mother for at least six months. And that's what Roe versus Wade was all about. The woman had the right to add an abortion up to at least six months. The state could then uh, control it then for the good of the society or for the baby, but uh, not before that. I, I personally believe the woman is in charge of her own body. She should make the decisions that she feels best. Or in the case of a life and death matter, a doctor steps in. Um, well, that's where we are today, yeah. but that's part of the spiritual abuse, the spiritual terrorism, and the spiritual insanity that women do not have that right. But I believe they do. And as I said, I believe almost all mothers want nothing more than to be able to uh, uh, get the children they have rear to adulthood. And right. I know someone well who uh, had two children, wonderful mother mm -hmm. and two wonderful children. She wanted to have more children, and she was able to get pregnant. And only for some unknown reason, the baby died in the womb. And we have things called stillbirths and so on, or yeah. they just die in the womb. And she was devastated by that. But then after she had time to recover from that, she still wanted to be a mother. She got pregnant again, and then the same thing happened. 
the baby died in the womb. Again, she's devastated and depressed, but she's able to get over that and decided that that's enough. She won't try again because she wants to live to get the two children she had has reared to adulthood. But with laws like Texas and other states wanting to do the same thing, a woman who has a uh, natural uh, miscarriage or baby dies in the womb or may be accused of having uh, inducing an abortion, and some bounty hunter may try to make money on that by taking her to court and get $10,000. Bounty hunters for, for women who do not commit a criminal offense makes no sense to me. It, well, makes, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, it makes, but it's spiritual terrorism and insanity. Yeah. Um, I was reading uh, what you sent us, and there was uh, something here. How did hospice patients evidence spiritual abuse at the end of life? Well, almost all of them in this area. I'm in West Virginia in the Appalachian Mountain areas, and they uh, were almost all reared in fundamental Christian churches. Now, I did minister to people who immigrated here from other countries, so they're Muslims and Mm -hmm. Hindus and uh, other people of other religious faiths. But most people in this area have been rooted in some kind of Christian church. And um, almost all of them said to me, Chaplain, I've been trying to be a Christian. Now, these elderly patients, as some have been trying for 50, 60, 70 years to be a Christian and still weren't sure that they were a Christian, and that they were, if they're good enough, to earn admission to heaven. And a few said to me, Chaplain, I used to be a Christian, but I just couldn't live the life. So I finally just gave up. But now they're afraid they'll get burned in hell forever because they're taught you have to believe in God and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or God's going to torture you forever. So the people are just living in fear of that. And there was a, a medical doctor who told me, who's a Roman Catholic, and he looked up for me from his deathbed and said, Chaplain, I'm really afraid to die. And I said, well, you being Roman Catholic, uh, you know, you believe in the Lord. And so, well, yes, he did that. And believe in the doctrine of the church and try to be a good Catholic. But he's still afraid he's not good enough to make it in. And I heard many times growing up in fundamental churches to be perfect like God is perfect, like Matthew 548. Jesus said, be therefore perfect, even as God is perfect. On the one hand, you're taught humans aren't perfect, they can't be perfect, and yet you have to be spiritually perfect in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of nonsense. They've totally missed the point about salvation by grace. We can't save ourselves, but God saves all of us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the successful Savior of the whole world, not just the unsuccessful Savior of a very small part of the world. When I shared this good news with them, uh, patients were able to uh, say, well, that really makes sense, that's wonderful, and there was a, a smile, we replaced the scowl with a frown on their faces, and they're able to die peacefully rather than in the fear that they were in the mental torment at the time when I first went to visit them. You have many yeah. examples of that. In your opinion, should people who believe in Christ, the Bible, and the other teachings that we've learned from the Bible, should they fear death? Should they fear death? No, they shouldn't. However, in my first book, uh, Spiritual Terrorism, I did point out that death is a a fear that everyone has. It's a universal fear. And uh, you can minimize the fear, but everyone has some fear of death. Mm -hmm. And, for example, I cited some studies where they took two groups of people. One is a group of believers who said they did have fear of death. 
And there's a group who claimed to be unbelievers and no religious faith. And they had no fear of death, and they never even thought about death. But they attached both groups to electrodes that measured uh, vital signs like respiration, heart pressure, blood pressure, and so on. And then they read a list of words to them, normally associated with death, without any commentary on the word, just reading the words. And it's interesting, the result of that study, what they found is they'd really be surprising. They found that the people who admitted to having fear of death actually had a much lower level of fear than those who said they never had it. They were pushing it down into their unconscious mind, and they're even more fearful, significantly oh. more fearful, than those who acknowledged having fear of death. Unreal. Um, we've got to take our final break, uh, Boyd. Please stand by. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a great pleasure talking to you, and congratulations on your books and the work that you do. Thank you. My privilege. Exonation, Dr. Boyd Purcell is our very special guest. His website, I love it, ChristianityWithoutInsanity.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. So why don't you do this? Grab yourself a coffee. Get back here as we wrap up this hour with, with our good guest this hour, Boyd Purcell. Hmm. Interesting topic. Tell me, Exonation, what are your thoughts on what you've been listening to in this uh, first, uh, in this uh, this segment? Send me your emails, exon at exonradiotv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back after the break. Don't go away. Somewhere beyond the sea, she's there watching for me. If I could fly. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Boyd Purcell is our special guest, and his website is Christianity Without Insanity. First of all, uh, Boyd, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us tonight. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. I guess I have one philosophical question for you. What do you think 
Jesus would say, if you were sitting beside him and he looks at the way the world is today, how strong the church is, how much money they have amassed, how much property they've amassed, how much art they've amassed, what do you think Jesus would say? Well, that's a great question. I'll be glad to answer that. But may I go back just a moment to what I was saying? About oh, certainly, sir. Death certainly, I'm sorry. That would tie in with it. Uh, there was a wonderful book that was published uh, just right after my first book was published in 2008. Uh, and the title of that book is Staring at the Sun. The subtitle is Overcoming the Terror of Death. And it's written by Irvin D. Yalom, who is a professor emeritus, Dr. Yalom, a psychiatrist from Stanford University. Mm-hmm. And the thesis of his book is that just as you cannot stare at the sun without being physically blinded, you cannot stare at death without being emotionally blinded. And so he shared that uh, everyone is afraid of death more or less. And he said that uh, death is normally safely corralled, his word, safely corralled in the unconscious mind. But it tends to escape the corral at 3 o'clock in the morning and menaces people with a nightmare. And he said every nightmare is due to fear of death. Now, there's a book that was published after that called 23 Minutes in Hell. You might have heard of that. Yes. And the author claims to actually been in hell for 23 minutes. And the interesting thing is he said that he was in hell, although he had no third degree, second degree, uh, first degree burns. He was not rushed to the hospital, didn't go to the ER. But he claims to have actually been in hell, which is, he said, even worse than literal fire. Now, the literal fire, the center of the earth is 12,000 degrees, which will instantly vaporize the human body. But this fire, he said, is even worse than literal fire. So he said that it lasted from 3 o'clock in the morning to 3.23, hence 23 minutes in hell. So is there a good chance, you think, based on what Yalom said, that his uh, fear of death escaped the corral at 3 o'clock in the morning and menaced him with a terrible nightmare? Did that answer your question about what would Jesus say today? Yeah. Uh, I think he'd be terribly disappointed. Uh, he, he certainly would not say to the church officials today, for the most part, be few, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant, right. been faithful over a few things, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The church is so much about fear, about control, and things. It's true of churches across the board. Border, uh, you know, we talk about in Christians the Islamic terrorists. Yes, they're they're not one tenth of one percent of Muslims who are terrorists. It's yeah. a peaceful religion. There are more than a billion Muslims in the world. If all Muslims were terrorists, would it really be in a deep pickle? Uh, but we have Christian terrorists. We have those assassinate abortion doctors and those who kill other people. Uh, so we have terrorists in other religions as well. So he'd be terribly disappointed in what the church has done today. And the Roman Catholic Church, I, I'm not picking on the Roman Catholic Church. We have Protestants who terrible things too. But the one thing, talk about spiritual insanity, the Catholic Church is adamantly opposed to abortion for any reason, even to save the life of the mother, uh, because it is the taking of innocent human life. But, on the other hand, if that innocent human life dies in the womb, or even is born and dies without having been baptized, God is either going to send that baby to hell forever, or that innocent human life, God is uh, going to forever banish from even being able to hold the face of God for all eternity. Now, isn't that oxymoronic and absolutely insanity, spiritual insanity to teach that? I don't understand why the churches, uh, you know, that why the churches need to use terror in order to control their parishioners. 
Well, there's actually a reason for that. It's called the Doctrine of Reserve. Many people have not heard of that. No. The Doctrine of Reserve says even if Jesus is the Savior of the whole world, everyone's going to go to heaven eventually, though everyone's going to give an account of what they've done in this life because we all reap what we sow. Nevertheless, fear is the best motivator to get people to join the church, to support the church, to give financially to the church, and all that. The Bible, though, says in the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse, that love is the greatest. So I believe that love is the greatest force in the universe, but the fundamentalists, the biblical literalists, believe that fear is the greatest force, and so they use that to control, manipulate people's lives. What, what's your take on these television evangelists? Uh, let me see, uh, Jerry Falwell, uh, Benny Hinn. Um, do you think that they're an asset to the to the church, or do they put the church under the spotlight in a negative way? I think it's a very negative thing, and my personal opinion is they're spiritual terrorists for the most part, mm-hmm. so more or less. So what's next for you, Boyd? You've got a number of books now. What's next? Well, I have three. I'm doing what I can to help to uh, promote those books, not to try to make money, but to try to free people's minds from fear. As long as I have life in my body and breath in my lungs, I will share the good news of Jesus being the successful Savior of the whole world, not the unsuccessful Savior of only a very small part of the world. Because this has caused the world to be so divided and so divisive and so much... uh, care in the world. The church is primarily responsible for so much, and I think most of it the church is responsible mm-hmm. for. This thing about basically our God is better than your God. And uh, so they divide up sides. We fight wars over this, religious wars, yeah. over whose God is the better God or the only God. And uh, when you, the Christian church claims they want to have inner religious dialogue, as the Pope has done, and some of the Protestants have done, and yet uh, the Pope historically said that he is the, uh, and the Church claims that he is a sole spokesman for God, God's vicar on earth, claiming to be the only way of salvation. Now, unless you're a Christian, you're all going to hell forever, but let's have a dialogue about that. How, <laughs> do you think that will work? Uh, no. I, I personally believe that when it comes to the Vatican City, the Pope, way too much power, way too much power. And, well, I agree, but the, yeah. I will say this about Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. I like Pope Francis. I mention him in my book as a guiding light, uh, a flame of fire, which the Bible talks about, that messengers, servants of God are flames of fire. I think he is. And uh, only three months after he's in the papacy, he validated the truth of Christian universalism for the Church and to the world. For he said that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, and he redeemed everyone, including atheists, will come to faith in Christ. Atheists will become theists. And I agree with that. And I said in my book, uh, Christianity Without Insanity, Mm -hmm. that the Pope then uh, would not do that uh, because he was a strong believer in eternal damnation. But a future Pope would do that. And it was only three months after Pope Francis in office, he did exactly what I said a future pope would do. He validated the truth of Christian universalism for the church and to the whole world. But there are people who said of him, who heard that, oh, Father, you mean, Father, you mean everybody's going to be saved? And he said, yes, he died for everyone, redeemed everyone, so everyone is going to be saved. Hallelujah. Um, and it, it doesn't make sense that if there is truly mm-hmm. a Catholic church, and by the way, I've asked many people, including Catholics, now, what does the word Catholic mean? 
And I found that many Catholics, actually most, do not know what the word Catholic means. And they, I won't embarrass you by asking what it means. You probably know. But in any event, it is a Latin word meaning universal. Yeah. So if there is truly a Catholic universal church, doesn't it make, make sense that that Catholic universal church would have Catholic universal salvation? It does. Perfect sense, yeah. right? Boyd, what are your final words for the Exxon? We've got an Exxon Nation. We've got about a minute. Well, I would just like to uh, articulate this truth, that uh, the Bible is highly symbolic. Uh, there are many examples of uh, symbols in the Bible, and there's something I give, if they have a minute, uh, they have that much time, I could say this. We'll make it for you. The, the Bible is one of the most highly symbolic books in the world, and some irrefutable examples are mountains singing and skipping like rams, hills singing and skipping like lambs, and trees and floods clapping their hands. <laughs> and Jesus follows the salt of the earth and light of the world. Disciples are wise as serpents, harmless as doves. False prophets are wolves, legal to swallow a camel. Pharisees are whitewashed tombs, meaning they're clean on the outside, but a stench on the inside. Right. Hypocrites are serpents, vipers, and speech is supposed to be seasoned with salt. And Jesus is a hen, bread, wine, blood, word, light, lamb, water, door, shepherd, way, truth, life, vine, alpha, omega, and sun. All those things. And certainly fire is symbolic, metaphorical, not literal. And I can give you many examples of that. Boyd, thank you so much for joining us. Continued success, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone. X-Zone Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, Dr. Boyd Purcell, visit his website. Christianity without insanity.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal single item at regular price ba da ba 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 